Welcome to the Avenging Hour. I'm Jason. I'm John. We are going to do this thing again where we talk about comics. In this case, useless comics. Very bad comics. I mean, not that most comics aren't useless to an extent, but... But they're the Avengers, so they're just inherently good, right? Inherently? (laughs) Have you listened to any of our episodes? (laughs) No, I need to go back and do that at some point. We've done a couple, right? One or two. Won't take me too long to catch up? No, won't be that bad. Cool, all right. Previously on the Avenging Hour, Thor made Kang disappear permanently, like he will never, ever be coming back, ever. Captain America once again handed a costume to an untrained civilian. (laughs) (laughs) Two-Gun Kid decided to travel to the future, and most of the team was zapped away to the Squadron Supreme World. And now, episode 64. I cannot wait to find out how all that continues in these issues. It's so exciting. They set up so many cool things. I know, and now we're going to get to continue it. We're going to get the payoff in it right here. All right, so you go. Here we go. Issue 145, March of 1976. This is by... Wait... Tony Isabella and Don Heck. Who? And it's called The Taking of the Avengers. They were, One, two, three? Weren't they already taken? Wait a minute. There's a caption box here that says this is a fill-in issue. Wait, is the collector in it? Because <laughs> he's taking the Avengers. That sounds like a collector plot. Well, that would be the end of it, wouldn't it? So, evidently, the deadline's caught up to Steve Englehart or George Perez or both. Probably Steve Englehart. <laughs> and we are stuck with fill-in issues. That have nothing to do with what we know is going on. Well, let's get right to it then. Chapter 1. Billion Dollar Death. Once upon a time, a tiny older version of Carl Sagan and a man in a hooded suit of armor watched home movies of the Avengers' greatest hits. Later, the two went outside to shoot around a golf. The tiny astronomer offered the peculiarly garbed mercenary a contract to kill the good guys. The man shot a hole in one and said it would take him a year or two to do the job. Chapter 2. <laughs> Target, Captain America. I'm so glad they divided these into chapters. <laughs> Cap confronts a group of armed robbers all wearing Captain America masks. He makes quick work of the baddies except for one man who sprints away. Cap gives chase, but this is all part of the plan. When he reaches a specific spot, the assassin appears and shoots Cap with some sort of disco pistol. Across the street, an old lady makes a phone call to the police because someone paid her $1,000 to do so. Little does she know, those bills were laced with poison. The same poison lining the mask of those robbers. The assassin does not want any loose ends to jeopardize his billion-dollar payday. Chapter 3. The Small Hours At the hospital, things look grim for Cap. Thor and Iron Man fly off to Tony's abode for some secret reason, leaving Cap's ailing body unattended. Hawkeye sees the heroes depart and decides to investigate. With uncanny timing, he interrupts a couple bad guys in fish masks and capes. A fight ensues, and the avenging archer scares them off. Hawkeye turns to Cap's room and tells the others to take a break while he watches over the Star-Spangled Hero. Beast and Wanda heed his advice, but Vision stays to help out, explaining that he does not require sleep. He and Hawkeye have some flashback memories of Cap while the assassin watches it all on those ubiquitous view screens. Everything seems to be going as planned. To be continued. Would that take, like, 45 seconds? Yeah. All right. Woo! Roll call. Captain America, Thor, Iron Man, Hawkeye, Beast... Vision and Scarlet Witch, our bad guy is the assassin, first appearance, also next to last appearance. (laughs) (laughs) Penultimate appearance. I have no notes on this. I'm sure you want to go on and on about how awesome this issue is. I'm going to. First of all, let's talk about Tony Isabella. Tony Isabella is our writer. The first time we've seen him, he was born on December 22nd of 1951. He started working at Marvel in 1972 as an editorial assistant and then started becoming a freelance writer. Tony Isabella is kind of an interesting figure in comics. Uh, at Marvel, he wrote Ghost Rider, It, The Living Colossus, Luke Cage, The Champions, Woo. and then went to DC and wrote Black Lightning. Wait, he didn't write The Defenders? 
No, surprisingly. Though there's probably an issue there. He does a lot of fill-in issues. In fact, I think we will see him again in The Avengers doing some fill-in stuff. What what I've been interesting about about Tony Isabella is that he he had problems at Marvel with some editorial disputes, mostly over Ghost Rider. He was doing this long plot in Ghost Rider, which um, Ghost Rider kept interfacing with this bearded, um, very calm, serene gentleman who called himself a friend who he was going to re- to reveal as being Jesus Christ. And uh, apparently this had been approved. And all of a sudden, Jim Starlin took over and said, oh, no, we're not doing that. No, that's we'll bring Warlock in. He's like Jesus Christ. Right. <laughs> and uh, Tony Isabel got very upset about this and left Marvel. Well, I don't know if he left Marvel then, but he was very upset about it. When he went to DC, Tony Isabella did write, uh, at Marvel, did write a lot of Luke Cage and was interested in creating some minority characters, specifically some black characters. And when he went to DC, he created the character Black Lightning and wrote him for a couple of couple of different series. Did Black Lightning meet Jesus? <laughs> no. But Tony Isabella always, always maintained that when he created Black Lightning, he had an agreement with DC. The Black Lightning was his character and was created in partnership with DC, not as work for hire. Sure, that works well. Yeah, DC basically was like, no, that didn't happen. And DC and, and Tony Isabella, he did leave DC over that. And the two of them have been feuding about Black Lightning for decades. He hasn't written a ton of comics since the mid-80s, maybe. Uh, He had a a column in Comic Buyer's Guide called Tony's Tips that he wrote for almost the entire length of the magazine and then went online with it. You can still find him online. Uh, He is a very well-known, I think, internet presence. You know, I want to give him credit for doing different things, and I certainly will give him all the credit in the world for working on African-American superheroes when that just wasn't done. Yeah. And I like Black Lightning. He's a great character. Do you want to tell us about Don Hefto? No. I think we've been there. <laughs> Let, let's let's take, before we get into this, let's take a trip back down memory lane, Jason. <sighs> it's 1976. You're, I don't know, 22. <laughs> just getting ready to start life. I won't be born for another 10 years. But you have a subscription to the Avengers. Not a year ago, like eight months ago, when you opened up your mailbox, instead of an Avengers issue, you got some stupid issue with the Beast and crazy artwork. Right. Now, like eight months later, you're in the middle of this exciting storyline, and all of a sudden you're being told that you're getting a two-issue fill-in. Well, at least the Avengers are in it. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) That is true. It's much better than another two issues of the Beast comic from Amazing Adventures. I have to believe this would be really frustrating. And it seems ridiculous that in the space of a year, they could not produce three comics out of 12. I don't give it much thought nowadays. I mean, deadlines fell off years ago. Well, nowadays, they just wouldn't publish the book. They, just they don't really do it. villains anymore. They just delay the book. I don't. Do they still do subscriptions by mail? I don't, I don't know even know. That's a thing anymore. But how would you feel about that? If you, So what do you prefer? Do you prefer something like this? Or would you prefer just not to get a comic for two months and... 140, issue 145 would be an actual issue. No, if I had a paid subscription, I would want an Avengers comic to show up every month. I would have been more irritated by that Beast comic than I would by this one, because the internet didn't exist back then, and I wouldn't have known that I was getting a fill-in issue. It would just show up, and I would read it and go, well, that was weird. I mean, at least they tell you on the front page that, sure. hey, sorry, this is a fill-in issue, but uh, Avengers are still in it, so it's kind of cool, right? It just seems it seems a little crazy to me. When we mention the credits, they do mention that a, there is a scripting assist from Scott Edelman. So apparently this is a fill-in issue that they couldn't even get the fill-in people to complete. <laughs> uh, for the record, I don't I don't know a lot about Scott Edelman and don't care. But he was born in... Ni- born in 1955. 55, not 55. That seems like it makes more sense. He was a 
science fiction and horror writer. Basically, short wrote short stories and edited a lot of science fiction magazines. Did any of them have to do with assassins? He's not <laughs> sure, but he's really not important to us. Did he, do you think he came busting into the bullpen and said, I have a great story for you guys? You mentioned that the assassin and Carl Sagan are looking at the Avengers' greatest hits. Now that I look at him, do you remember uh, Do you remember Henry Gibson from yeah. uh, Rowan and Martin's Laughing? Uh-huh. He looks like Henry Gibson, like little blonde-haired guy. I think what, what surprises me about these 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 home movies that they're watching <laughs> is that they are so specific. Like every it's it's one panel scenes of each of the main Avengers fighting somebody, and it would have been just as easy to draw generic scenes, but for some reason they want to tie these scenes to specific issues, even though I don't know that that's necessary. Yeah, it really wouldn't have mattered. I don't think so. He just wants to talk about the team members. And show them in action. I well, he's got Thor fighting the Destroyer. Well, he pulled stuff from like their own titles. Yes, yes, it comes from. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, it comes from. I mean, you could tell because, like, in in the one in the one panel, it shows Hawkeye in his horrible mini skirt and open chest look. But yeah, they're not all coming from the Avengers. They come from and the, the last one, which is Hawkeye fighting Zax, comes from an issue of the Hulk. Oh right, that's when he had first come back when he's coming back to the team. Uh, I, I think it's hilarious though that the assassin actually says, "Where did you get all these from?" And the guy was like, "Ah, you can find anything nowadays. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's easier than you think." Nowadays, he'd be like, "I found them on the internet. They're on YouTube." <laughs> There was this Citadel back in the 1800s and it had all these view screens in it. And <laughs> so we are apparently to believe that a bunch, several of the Avengers' old enemies got together and hired this guy. And pitched in a billion dollars and up to a billion more in expenses. So potentially two billion dollars. So, and that's a good point because two billion dollars, do you know how much money that is today? Because two billion dollars is a lot of money. And that was in 1976 dollars. In today's money, it's eight billion four hundred and twelve million seven hundred and thirty-three thousand five hundred and twelve dollars and ninety cents. So it's you know like four hundred twenty-five percent more. So eight point these. So so we're to believe that these enemies have eight point four billion dollars. No, just two billion dollars then. That they are willing to spend. <laughs> if it was nowadays, it would be eight point four, and I. Who's got that other than, like, Doctor Doom? They're willing to spend that to destroy the Avengers. Or if Kang keeps going back in time and robbing every bank, couldn't he get that? Well, it's interesting you mention that. So, who do you think in the Avengers stable of enemies would, A, hire someone else to kill them, and, B, be able to come up with the kind of dough to contribute to a $2 billion bounty? Like, you know... Yeah, who would be so frustrated with them? Because your Kangs, your Ultrons, I don't believe that they would hire somebody no, else. No, no, they have too much ego. Um, and then you've got your other people, like, you know, uh, maybe... Uh, I, I could have guessed maybe Baron Zemo, because he had tried so many times with the Masters of Evil and kept failing, but he's dead. Yeah. And your people like, you know, the Red Ghost... Who might be upset because his plan with the Mole Man didn't work. <laughs> but you can't tell me that the Red Ghost has the kind of capital that he could buy into this. He'd be like, I'll give you $100 towards it. And we'd scratch out the Titanic 3 because they're off doing their own thing. I can't imagine that they'd want to spend money when they're running, you know, Vietnam at this point. And someone like Diablo, who maybe could make some gold. Did Diablo have a run-in with the Avengers? Yeah, he fought them for two issues with Dragon Man. Hercules oh was around God, then. I forgot Diablo was even there. I remember Dragon Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did some research. But someone like Diablo, I can't believe he even thinks of the Avengers. They're not his villain. He might spend that to try to destroy the Fantastic Four, but I don't see him thinking of the Avengers as his villains. Whirlwind's not going to do it. He doesn't. I mean, wouldn't he, have the money anyway. Zodiac? They might have the money. Yeah, they're all useless. I mean, they're that they're they're my. 
I can't think of anybody else. Maybe Champion? Oh, that guy. Yeah, he was like super rich, wasn't he? He had a lot of money and, and might be willing to. Though he was, and you did say that he comes back at some point. I did. Like the Circus of Crime might want to, again, pitch in. They got like but, 40 bucks. Exactly, right? <laughs> we got 40 bucks, 40 bucks in a Subway token. <laughs> Half a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. It just seemed... Did you get it narrowed down? I see a huge list of everybody that they faced. Is there any potential? Except for Zodiac and the Champion... I don't think maybe the Sons of the Serpent, if you had someone in there who actually had money to bankroll them. They show up again, I mean, obviously. Yeah, I just, I don't see who else would have that, would the Toad? But, but that seems weird, the Sons of the Serpent, or, or even Zodiac, because they're already a group of people. You would think it would be like one guy that couldn't. Count Nefaria? Although they did say, they did say some of their villains got together. Yeah. But I can't imagine any of them working together either. You can't see, like, Champion showing up at Zodiac headquarters and going, hey, I got an idea. Right? Champion, Count Nefaria, and, and Zodiac walk into a bar. <laughs> I've heard that joke. <laughs> I just, it, it, I don't know. It just seemed like, it seemed like they were reaching. The assassin uses a gun. Yeah, whatever it does. What does it do? It shoots off fancy lights and colors, I think. Yeah, he, it looks like Madcap's gun. I was from, say that. from the Captain America comic, Madcap. He's shooting bubbles at him. Yeah, basically has, a, has what is literally a bubble gun. And it looks like he that's what he shot Cap with. It is the weirdest looking... <laughs> it's almost as weird looking as these people with Captain America masks wearing green checkered suits that's running around. In, in my write-up, I called it a disco pistol. It, it is. When Iron Man and Thor are hanging outside Captain America's room and Iron Man... Being very vague. <laughs> Iron Man's trying to get Thor to turn into Don Blake to save Captain America. And Thor's like, I can't turn into Don Blake. What if someone could would attack? And I'm like, it takes you literally like t- 10 seconds to turn back to Thor. You just have to touch your cane to the ground. He and actually he has to give that big speech. <laughs> he acts like, you know, he's got to go. Like, it's some big deal. Doesn't he have some Norse poem he has to read or something? I don't know. In Darkest Day or what is it? That? <laughs> That's right. In Blackest Night. No mortal shall escape my sight. I have nothing else about the issue itself. We'll talk more about how this all ends up next issue. Yeah, bullpen bulletins. There is no letters page. It is such a fill-in that they don't even have a letters page. They didn't want to ruin any good letters. <laughs> what? Well, before we get to the bullpen bulletins, I do want to point out that we don't have a letters page, but look, we have a checklist. A half-page checklist. Yeah, across from that giant panel of Thor. Reading medical charts, because nothing's more exciting. <laughs> if you're going to have a splash page for Maximum Impact... Have it being Thor reading some medical charts. <laughs> yeah, we have all. So we've seen the, you know, they said the Marvel checklist was coming back, and here we see it. It's it's, it's weird because it's it's what mags are on sale right now, which I'm assuming is just what came out that week. Yes, they tell us, I'm not sure if it's in this bullpens or the next issue, they say that, oh, not only do we bring the checklist back, but we brought it back weekly because we're idiots. So you've only got six titles here, but you've got covers for two of them. And what I find really amusing is the cover... They they say that Avengers 145, which is the issue we are reading, it's the, the blurb for it is the blurb for the next part of the Squadron Supreme. Right. It says... And the cover is that, too. And the cover is that as well. So, <laughs> apparently, this fill-in came really at the last minute. Right. They already had that all put together. I, I find it hilarious that there's a subscription thing above the checklist, and the big splash banner says, The Marvel Explosion is here. Since we just talked last episode yes. about the DC implosion that's coming up soon. And you had said that Marvel was also filling everything at the wall. Yep. Alright, so what about Stan Soapbox? I didn't have anything written for Stan Soapbox. He talks about three things. Yeah, he does. There's a lot of comic book conventions happening. Uh-huh. If, you're, if your dealer, <laughs> probably should be rephrased. Your is, retailer? 
is selling out of Marvel Comics right the wholesaler and ask for more. Yeah, I'm sure they'll appreciate that. Well, I Isn't thought, that the retailer's job? I thought two things here. First of all, I thought, how in the hell do I know who their wholesaler is and how to get in touch with them? And second of all, that's not my job. Yeah. Shouldn't you have someone on staff to do that sort of thing? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and I would think if you're buying them from like the drugstore, and they, although, to be fair, they didn't really care. No, they didn't. But I'm not sure why, again, how would you... I guess you asked the pharmacist. Yeah, excuse me, pharmacist. Do you have a question on on your prescription? No. no where are you getting your Marvel comics from? Yeah, who's your wholesaler? I'm gonna give that guy a call. And uh, he also talks. What does he talk about? Oh, talks one about one other some other thing. some book he's doing. I don't. Um, what is it? It's a sequel to something. Uh, Origins of Marvel. Oh, that's no, the original no, it's not that one. Uh, son of. What? Son of Origins, yes. No, no, wait, it's not that one either. <laughs> oh my god, it's never going to end. Does he give <laughs> us any details about what this is about? Nope. Um. Anyway, what about the bullpen Boltons? Uh, Steve Englehart got married. He maybe, did. Maybe that's why this issue was a fill-in. That is, that, that could be. We've been, we've been busting his chops, but he did get married. <laughs> huh. And Rich Buckler moved back to New York. Rich Buckler, penciler here for too short a time. And Tony Isabella, who we may have talked about just now, moved uh, back to Cleveland, Woo! where he's from. Good for him. What a hero. Anything else? <laughs> uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is premiering in Marvel Presents. That's important. We'll be seeing them here in the Avengers here. And uh, Tigra the Werewoman is debuting in Marvel Chillers. I think we had talked about that last episode. And we'll be seeing her here in about five years or so. Yeah, yeah she'll be showing up. And I mean, not five years our time, five years their time. And we get a visual tease of Icarus from Jack Kirby's Eternals comic. Basically says, who's that guy? We don't know. Well, we do. Uh, they also mentioned Roy Thomas is going to be writing Cole the Conqueror, which is another one of these sword and sorcery heroes. Which is basically Conan in a different costume. They were costume. so popular in the 70s. Anything else? No. Uh, they also mentioned that George Perez is coming on board. Oh, is he now? And then he likes to draw a lot of characters. Yeah. He's well, doing, like, didn't they mention him doing like three different titles? Uh, Fantastic Four, The Avengers, The Inhumans, and The Sons of the Tiger. That's, and of course, I think Sons of the Tiger isn't its own title. I think we all know that Sons of the Tiger is the one that was really stuck around. The Sons of the Tiger. I remember them being in one issue of Marvel Team Up. I don't know anything else about them. The Sons of the Tiger movie franchise has been so <laughs> lucrative for Marvel. They could totally do that in like a 1980s kung fu movie style. Oh my gosh, yes, they could have a lot of fun with Sons of the Tiger. They should show up in the Luke Cage TV show. Well, that the problem with the TV shows, which some of them I like, but they're they're so dark. And I think you need to make the Sons of the Tiger at least a little bit more fun. Yeah, it could be a little. It could be a little 1970s fun, even like they're traveling around in like a a conversion van, like solving crimes, like uh, like the Scooby Squad. But then Sons of the Tiger, that'd be great. It'd be a cross between the Scooby Doo and the A Team, or like this, or like Scooby Doo and that live action Shazam show, where it was him and Mentor driving around in an RV. MVP? My MVP, I guess, is Hawkeye? Yeah, I, I said the same thing. It's so hard to pick someone, but I'll pick him. Useless character? I'm sticking with Iron Man. And Thor. They just, at least Thor read a medical chart. Iron Man's like, dude, let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah, they just fly off in the middle of the issue. Avengers of the Fresh? No. Final grade. I gave it a D. I said it was worse than another Kang story. I gave it a C-. minus. Villains are always disappointing, but this is just so pointless. And this issue is all build-up. Yep. And we never see the assassin do anything. We keep being told the assassin is a threat. Guess Wait. what? The payoff that you're going to read about next isn't any better. <laughs> it's not like it's an egregiously bad issue. There's just no point to it. It really isn't. Or we don't learn what the point was supposed to be. Well, I'm sure we'll learn about it in this issue. Issue I'm 146. Sure, I'll tie up all the loose ends. This is from April of 1976. It is again by Tony Isabella. On pencils, we have both Don Heck and Keith Pollard. 
<laughs> Again, can't finish a fill-in issue. <laughs> I do want to say this. Before we go any further, Don Heck. We have said some unkind words about Don Heck. The art in the last issue is not horrible. No. It's much better than some of the some of the, the, the more recent pe- issues of the Avengers that Don Heck has penciled. Whether he has a better inker or whether he just had more time, I'm not sure. It almost makes you wonder if he and Tony Isabella were just like working on some Avengers issue just for the heck of it. And they had it like half done and like, oh hey, we can do this. Yeah, because I mean, it really isn't. It really is not bad. Who's uh, you gonna um, tell us about Keith Pollard? It's. I'll do it later. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to mess up your flow there. It's called. We got plenty of time to kill. It's called the assassin never fails. Spoiler alert. <laughs> he does. The Avengers have been targeted for death by the Assassin. He's been taking his own sweet time and killing them, but this is the second part of a two-parter, so no more dilly-dallying for him. On with it! A group of Assassin flunkies and Klingon cosplay are watching the Avengers in their mansion through the scopes of some futuristic guns, while the Avengers babble on about how Captain America was almost killed. The flunkies call into the Assassin to let him know that nothing is happening, and he gives them orders to kill the Avengers at the mansion once the main Avengers are dead. That's it, and we're done with chapter one already. (laughs) If nothing happens in a chapter and you read it, do your sighs of exasperation make a sound? Chapter two, the better to kill them with. Thor and Iron Man are at the hospital watching Cap in surgery. But what's this? Don Blake is performing the surgery on Cap? But how does, isn't he, aren't they? Oh, how tricky these Avengers are. It seems Thor is an LMD, or life model decoy, or robot. Hawkeye and Vision are there too, and they're hanging out, drinking drinks provided by a not-at-all-suspicious nurse, because nurses often act like waitresses in a hospital. It's not like they have anything better to do than bring drinks to people hanging out in a waiting room. The drinks they drank are drugged. But instead of knocking out Hawkeye and Iron Man immediately, the poison just makes them groggy, and the Vision and Thor drank nothing, so they're not even that. Still, that doesn't stop a squad of the Assassin's Men from attacking the Quartet and beating all the humans, including Thor, who doesn't move a muscle to stop them. The Vision is still going strong, but soon the Assassin himself shows up and stops him cold by slapping a doohickey on his back. The Assassin tells his hired help that they don't have to worry about Iron Man and Hawkeye, as the drugged coffee will eventually kill them. Wait, then why even bother to attack... Forget it. Let's just try to get through this. The Assassin also discovers that Thor is a robot, but the Assassin somehow knows that Don Blake is Thor, so he'll just shoot him and be done with it. Dude, if you knew that, how many times could you have killed Blake over the past year? Sorry, sorry, I said I was going to power through this, and we are done with Chapter 2. Chapter 3, Nothing Our Own But Death. Before the Assassin can shoot Thor, he's accosted by Hawkeye, Iron Man, and the Vision. But how? Well, Hawkeye has a weak stomach and threw up, which got rid of the poison, and Iron Man wasn't affected because the poison affects the heart, and his heart is is synthetic. They pop the doohickey off the vision, and here we are. A battle breaks out, and even Dr. Blake helps bring down the assassin, and it's suddenly revealed that he's really a she, and the nurse who gave him the drug drinks at that. Yes, women can be killers too, and she escapes the Avengers and runs toward her man, who, having never seen the assassin without his cowl, and not believing that he could be a woman, shoot her dead. The Avengers mop up her man, and the whole thing is over as Captain America successfully recovers. Except for this stupid coda, where we find out that the assassin was the daughter of Carl Sagan. He has a son, too, who's angry that his father sent his sister off to die, and he threatens his dad with a gun, but his dad kills the son instead and then prepares to shoot himself? Okay. The end. Next issue. 
a continuation of the actual story. What? Yay! Wait, we had a story going on? Our roll call this issue is Scarlet Witch, Yellow Jacket, Wasp, Iron Man, Hawkeye, Vision, and Thor, and we see Falcon and the Beast as well. As you said, this is the first Keith Pollard. Let's talk about him real quick. Oh, let's. I thought we had a letter from him, but I could be wrong. Hey, Falcon's in here too? Yeah. Keith Pollard's born on January 20th, 1950. He started working at Marvel in 1974. He is an artist best known for Amazing Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, Nick Fury, and Thor. That's there you it. Go. <laughs> I really don't have a lot to say about Keith Pollard. I've always thought that his... He, he only pencils the first three pages. The rest of the issue is all heck. I don't really have much to say about his art. I've always found his art to be completely serviceable. Yep, those characters all look like they're supposed to. There's a uh, box on the first page that tells us that there's a special autograph no prize for anyone that can tell us where these two issues fit into continuity. <laughs> They don't. And I wouldn't go to that much trouble anyway. Well, the Falcon's there. That must mean something. And Wasp isn't dead. And Moondragon... Well, what doesn't make any sense is Moondragon's not around. When in Avengers continuity was the Beast around and Moondragon wasn't? Uh, well, that one issue that was a reprint. I can start taking this apart, but I wasn't sure if you... Do you have anything in these? No, areas? no, no. I don't know anything at the very beginning. Mine all comes okay. when we get to the hospital. Let me start with, with what I think is a huge problem here. We are told by Yellow Jacket that Don Blake is maybe the world's finest surgeon. Oh, wait, never mind. That was my first note. I oh, thought that okay. happened at the hospital. Go ahead. Don Blake is maybe the world's finest surgeon. When did that happen? Don Blake didn't even go to medical school. <laughs> and this is a problem. Don Blake has this entire history, but he's not even a real person. Well, here's, the, here's, the, here's what bothers me about this. It's one thing to make Don Blake a good doctor. That's acceptable. But when you start making him the world's finest surgeon, then you have to ask yourself, what happened to Doctor Strange? How much good could you do just being a surgeon? Right, you have to also be a thunder god. If you are the best surgeon in the world, maybe you should be doing more surgeoning and less thunder godding. He's only the best surgeon in the world because he flew around bouncing off airplanes, killing all the Norwegian surgeons. <laughs> <laughs> or, or bringing them back for Pim to murder. He's only best surgeon by default. He's that murdered makes, the rest of them. That makes so much more sense now. <laughs> right? We thought they were being reckless. But they, left like, a, they left a word out. He is now the world's finest <laughs> surgeon. <laughs> no, it just, it, it seems like, to me, it's, 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 it's a cheap writer's trick that they use to try and elevate their characters to be incredibly special. It's not even a trick. It's just stupid. It's like, un- they it's, could just say, oh, well, you know, Don Blake's going to give a try and see if he can fix what's wrong with Captain America. Why does he have to be the world's finest exactly. surgeon? Exactly. And it's the sort of thing that Roy Thomas used to do all the time where he'd throw a line in. That was completely unnecessary, and all it did was make it. All it did was create nonsense. Because Marvel superheroes are known for having quirks and deficiencies and being more like real people. So why do they have to be the best at everything all the time? It, yeah, it's it's just it's it's basically pointless. And we'll, well, we won't see it until we get to our Captain America podcast. But you have this kind of thing in Captain America in the eighties when he's a he he's an artist. And he starts working at Marvel as a comic book artist. And they're like, you're one of the best artists we've ever seen. And it's like, really? Best-selling comic artist, Captain America. Uh, It's nice that they do name-check... I'm sorry, do you have more than that? Well, no, we'll get to it when we get to the hospital stuff. It's nice that they name-check Bill Foster. We haven't haven't seen or heard of him in the Avengers in quite some time. He does have his own series that Tony Isabel is writing. So maybe that's why they name-check him. Do we know why Falcon is there? He wasn't in the last issue. Of course, Wasp and Yellowjacket weren't either. I think the idea is, and I'm okay with Falcon being here, because I think the idea is Captain America's near death. Falcon is his friend, and Falcon says he's been searching the town, trying to find the assassin, and has found nothing. So, but I like the idea that you know he would want to 
be doing something if his friend was lying near death. Why did Assassin's goons have to wear disguises? I don't know. And those disguises are so weird. They're really strange. What what surgical procedure is Don Blake performing? They don't even know what's wrong with Captain America. He got shot with a bubble gun. Why is he performing surgery? What's he doing? Is he just like getting in there and like massaging his spleen? Like I don't know what. If I've learned anything about surge, or if I've learned anything about medicine in the seventies from the Avengers. It's that no matter what is wrong with you, they open you up. We'll just cut them open and just look around. Maybe we'll see what's wrong with them. <laughs> oh, there it is. He got a bubble lodged in his intestine. We'll just... We'll and just again, at the hospital, again, one of the nurses says again that there's no other surgeon alive capable of performing such a delicate work as Don Blake. Oh. So it keeps getting reinforced again and again. It's really annoying. Uh, Iron Man mentions that there's far too common knowledge... It's already far too common knowledge that there's a connection between Don Blake and the Thunder God. Is that that? I never thought that... Hey, no, maybe... You know what I think this is? Is the writers thinking, it's weird that whenever Don Blake is around Thor, isn't it? Uh, maybe we should try to explain that so people don't think it's a thing, but we're actually going to try and make it a thing? I don't think it's ever been an issue. And then he says, the AMA probably wouldn't take too kindly to learning one of its members moonlights as a superhero. And I'm like, why would the AMA care? If your local doctor wants to go work at, at you know, Coles in the evenings... Why would the AMA care? Don Blake's barely around anyway. Like, right? He barely has a practice. I'm not sure he's licensed at this point. <laughs> I think it was the previous page. It was in a, some dialogue. That then Tony Stark says that he has a synthetic heart. Which he does. Does he? Yeah. We do an Iron Man podcast. You remember in... I told the, you I actually would do that one. That one seems fun. If you remember, his origin is that he was... He had shrapnel lodged in his heart. Shrapnel lodged in his heart. So that's why he wore the chest plate was to recharge it. Right. Shortly after he got his own series, I think it was shortly after he got his own series in the late 60s, early 70s, they finally got tired of that subplot, which they should have, and they had an issue where he had surgery and they replaced his heart with a synthetic heart, so he didn't constantly have to wear the chest plate. Wasn't the first artificial heart created in, like, the early 80s? That's a good question. I'm not Wouldn't sure. Wouldn't it be hilarious if, like, they should have, like... <laughs> Put a fake heart in that was like the entire size of his torso <laughs> with like pipes sticking out and everything else. I thought it was like 1980 something, maybe not. 1982, no. the first like functional one that actually, yes. But you know, this is Marvel Science, and they but were, they had been trying back since the 40s, they had been trying since the 40s. So I don't think it's too far. I'm, I'm willing to let with all the other problems this issue has, I'm willing to let that one go. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not like comic books are reality, so. He's standing next to a thunder god talking about his artificial heart, I guess. <laughs> you're, you're okay with it? You take it both, yeah. You'll, you'll allow it? Sure. I uh, My next note was, it must have been at the end of this chapter, my next note is, why won't this issue end? <laughs> and, and the assassin's plot, and, and this is a big, I don't know if I, where I mentioned this, but this is such a big problem with characters like the assassin. And I get the idea that Tony Isabella doesn't only has two issues to go through an entire arc with this character. But we are continually told that the assassin is the best assassin in the world. But we are never shown that. And in fact, his plot makes no sense. If you have poison that will kill the Avengers, and you manage to give it to them, why attack them? Why not? If the assassin's men would have just hung out for a little while, Hawkeye and, and Iron Man would have killed over... And then they could have come and taken taken the vision at their leisure. Yeah, he supposedly killed the old lady that he gave a thousand dollars to. He yeah. killed the guys in the Captain America masks. What? And why does he keep having all these henchmen? Like, well, and why even wait till the Avengers at the hospital? If he's got the, we all know it's easy to break into the mansion. Break into the mansion, knock out Jarvis, or put a mask on him and kill him, and pour into their coffee. Just spread poison all over the doorknobs and the right, or yeah, the I phone mean, receiver and anything else they're gonna touch. Who cares? And it's the same with the device on the vision. If you have a, if you have a device that that basically turns the vision off, 
Why have you waited this long to use it? Why are you waiting till the Avengers are, are together in mass before you attack them? Right? That seems like... Well, because they, they didn't do that with Captain America. Why would you injure Captain America? Why is that the starting point of your whole thing? But from the last issue, you separated Captain America from the group and shot him... Why didn't you just kill him? Right? And if you knew, and again, we're right back to this, where he says, and I mentioned this, but he says he knows that Don Blake and Thor are the same person, which, first of all, how do you know that? And second of all, if you knew that, why did you not kill Don Blake eight months ago? And no, especially- I, thought he, I thought he just figured it out somehow because of the LMD. There was something in the dialogue where he... Well, he says, just as I thought, Donald Blake is the surgeon operating on Captain America. He doesn't want to kill Don Blake because he thinks Don Blake's Thor. He wants to kill Don Blake because he thinks Don Blake might actually save Captain America. No, no, he wants to kill him because he knows he's Thor. He, he says, he, he says he, he's figured it out. Many have suspected some connection between the Doctor and Thor, but none before me has deduced the true connection. Many, including Iron Man from two pages ago. <laughs> yeah, but, 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 he, but he says, just as I thought. So he must have believed that Thor and Don Blake were the same, but the LMD gives him proof. But here's the thing. If you might even believe they're the same person, oh, yeah. just kill Blake. I mean, if you're wrong, so what? What do you care? Blake, but Blake's never around. That's the problem. It just—it's one of these things that just drives me a little bit crazy. It's so many different levels of uselessness. Why does he have a bunch of henchmen on the rooftop, looking at the people in the mansion, and telling him that? Well, you can't kill the people in the mansion until the people at the hospital are. Why? Yeah. Why? What difference does it make? Exactly. And why do you have so many henchmen? Jeez. So apparently, this the world's greatest assassin at hiring people to assassinate people. <laughs> apparently, the it's like the Donald Trump of assassins. <laughs> I hire the best people, but and he doesn't believe me. Although that crew sucked, I'm going to hire new best people. The poison that he gives him is supposed to reach the heart, which first of all is not how poison works. I don't. I've never heard of a poison that has to reach the heart. Because usually with a poison, once you once you absorb it into your system, it starts to get into your bloodstream. Well, the bloodstream goes to the heart. Yeah, it's but... stop your heart. How long does it take for your blood to get to your heart? I mean... Two minutes, maybe, depending on where the poison's put in. So, and Hawkeye says, well, I threw up when I reached the stomach. How did he well, know that? Well, and, and the poison would... I would when he poison. swallowed it, it reached the stomach. Yeah. He swallowed the tea, the poison was in his stomach instantly. Yeah. But he didn't puke, we saw him. No. He went, oh, I don't feel good, and then he shot an arrow and fell down. Yeah. <laughs> I just feel like... You liar. Well, and I feel like by the time it reaches your stomach, you've already begun to absorb it into your bloodstream. And it's going to get absorbed a lot quicker through your stomach. Hawkeye was unconscious. If you throw up when you're unconscious, that doesn't go well, usually. It depends if you're face up or face down. Yeah, I mean, that could have been really bad. <laughs> it could have killed him. That's when Iron Man says, and I don't have a real heart. Which I'll buy. Tin Man. I'll buy that as a, as a, as a, as a reason. So, what do you think of the twist? That it's a woman? That it's a woman. Who cares? Exactly. Maybe in 1976 this would be a big deal. My, my note was, wait, it was a woman this whole time? That's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just, I mean, I don't know, maybe in 1976 I'd have been wowed. I mean, again, it was 10 years before I was born, so probably I wouldn't have been wowed. Or, if it, when it was unmasked, it was a female that we knew. Right? That we had ever seen before. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. If it was Patsy Walker, I would have went, oh, it's Patsy Walker. It's that mysterious redhead. She's trying to kill everybody. Yeah, I don't care who this woman is. Then she runs down the street and gets shot by her own people. Well, that'll teach you a lesson, won't it? <laughs> well, and it's so, that's so contrived and it's so, it seems, and then this, this, I don't, I do not understand the epilogue. <laughs> the epilogue. So she's the daughter of the man who hired the assassin. So her dad hired her. 
Exactly. And some a group of villains came to this guy and said, "We want to hire the best person. We're going to give you up to two billion dollars." And the guy went, "Hey, honey, what are you doing next weekend?" <laughs> <laughs> and her brother, who's not an assassin, who we also never met before, but knows she was an assassin, the the assassin, is upset at his dad. So he's going to shoot his dad. But his dad says, "You'll never be able to shoot me, but I can shoot." So his dad says, <laughs> he tells him, <laughs> "You'll never be able to shoot me." Bang. But I can shoot you. <laughs> like, seriously. If your dad, if you're, in, you're going to kill the guy and he says, you never be able to shoot, wouldn't you pull the trigger like right then? Well, you're not going to wait to see what he says or well, what? Or so here's I'll get thing. candy if I don't shoot you? Like, it looks like the dad's going to kill himself. At the end, yeah. Well, then why not let just let your son shoot you? Why did you hate your son so much that you have to shoot your son too? Well, now he just has nothing left to live for. Well, that's because he shot his son. <laughs> None of it makes any sense. Here's the thing. I guess he probably... All I can think is Tony Isabella got, like, within two pages of finishing this story and went, oh my god, there's a lot of stuff that I need to get rid of before we pick up the story from previous... I really want to give Tony Isabella the benefit of the doubt, because he was he was trying. He was trying... I think he was trying to make a fill-in that would be a satisfying story in itself. That would wrap itself up and not it, it would something be, that would come back like three months later. Well, I think he was also trying to make it something that would would make the reader stop and go, huh, I just read a story. Wow, that was deep. Yeah, but unfortunately, he doesn't succeed. And, the main problem is there's absolutely no characterization of the assassin. So we don't care. And there's no setup for any of this stuff. And I get the fact that he only has two issues to work in, but maybe you don't try something quite this complicated. Maybe you take out the giant splash page of Thor reading medical records. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, you know, turn that into six panels of story, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just... I'm not a fan. No. Bullpen Bullet... Uh, Stan Soapbox? Uh, Stan Soapbox announces the Spider-Man and Superman team-up. One of the few times that Marvel and DC actually worked together. It was the first time... Well, not the first time. The first time was when they co- co-published the Wizard of Oz comic, which I think we talked about. Oh, Really? They did that together? Yeah, they did it together. But it's the first it's the first crossover. Uh, Spider-Man and Superman fight Lex Luthor and Dr. Octopus. Was that in one of those giant, like, treasury edition? Uh-huh. Thing? Uh, but it apparently sells well because they do another one uh, a few years later. Another Superman, Spider-Man. And then they do Batman and the Hulk. And then they do Teen Titans and the X-Men. And then in the 90s, they do all kinds of stuff. Yeah, they do the whole amalgam line of comics. Uh, what else is it about? What else do we talk about? They also uh, tease the debut of Nova, the man called Nova. Well, Stan Lee also talks about Marvel Classic Comics. Oh, Stan Lee, yeah. And a Stan Lee t-shirt and John Buscema's art school. Uh, you're right. They do tease. They tease who? The man called Nova. What do you think about the man called Nova? Well, he's still around, so... He's actually had a resurgence the last couple of years. I like Nova. I liked him. I, I was a huge fan of the New Warriors. So we do our New Warriors podcast. That shouldn't take long yet. I really like I really, really liked him in New Warriors. I read his I've read some of his solo stuff and it's it's okay. Actually he's more not more recent, I think it was the early aughts that um was it Admin Landing did that Sean Chen drew, I believe. Really good series. Was it still Richard Ryder at that point? Yeah, still Richard Ryder. Really good stuff. Took place around the Civil War. This one was that like two thousand six. Very cosmic. Abnett and Lanning did a couple of cosmic books and they were they, doing good stuff. They've with done it. a few cosmic things. I'm not a fan of cosmic stories. I'm not usually either, but they made their com- their cosmic stuff work. I love their Guardians of the Galaxy. And you have anything else from Bullpen Bulletin? Um the second wave of Marvel Value Stamps is out and the new album in which to collect them is also out. And uh, they're getting overwhelmed by stories and artwork. People are sending them stories and artwork. Of course nowadays they would never read those stories. No. Uh, they don't want to get sued. They don't want to get sued. Um, and the letters page. That's it. We're done. Let's go home. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. MVP? Uh, my MVP was Thor. 
<laughs> Me too. I mean, really. Uh, useless character? Uh, goddamn Iron Man. <laughs> I, picked, I picked the Wasp in Yellow Jacket. Well, that's not even fair. <laughs> uh, just sitting in the mansion talking. Well, that's what they do when they're on the team, Nobody too. in the mansion did anything. Avengers Level Threat? No. No. Final grade? Uh, D. My, uh, my response was, ugh. <laughs> this is great. I also gave it a D, and look at the end of my description. <laughs> you wrote, ugh, as well. <laughs> we're just done. I don't want to talk about so it. So done. Uh, but, 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 next time we're back to the regular plot, it's said so. The assassin comes back, what, 12 years later when it's her son and he's all grown up and he wants revenge for his mom being... No. All right then, everyone. Don't even joke about these things. Thanks for listening again. If you want to see more of us, you can go to Instagram or uh, what's that other thing called? Twitter. Uh, We have accounts there, at Avenging Hour. We have a Facebook page where we basically just don't do anything other than link to our Instagram account. It's just more exposure, people. More exposure. Our website is avengingour.com and our email is mail at avengingour.com. Uh, what else, how else could we exploit our Instagram account? Could, we could just print the pictures out and like um, staple them to telephone poles around the city. <laughs> the city? What do we live with? A tick? <laughs> the city. Uh, that's all I got. Uh, I'm guessing this will get better. We like to say that. Well, I it's mean... It's going to pick up. At least it's going to make more sense. It won't be a fill-in. So. <laughs> You know, that's, there's that. So we will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening.